You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, I love me some Pedro Constante. Anybody besides me? <laughs> Man, he's a bit of uh, puro cool, isn't he? So also want to thank today Addison Oltmans and her team of people that set up over 600 candles for us for this service, right? on Anybody want to thank Addison for that? Thank you, Addison. And then... In case you stumbled onto this service online or came here to the Cameo uh, for the first time um, today, I want you to know something is that if you feel broken, irreparably broken or burned out today, I'm going to show you from the scriptures three reasons why people feel irreparably broken or burned out and what we can do about it. So hang with me through the entirety of the teaching today. And before we read the scriptures together and study it, I want to give you a little bit of backdrop or backstory on the text that we're going to be reading. The ancients had these flutes that were made out of reeds, a reed flute, just a a common reed. And the old shepherds in Israel, they would convert it and make a little instrument out of it. And these shepherds loved to play the flute music to kind of calm down their sheep and calm down the other shepherds who were around. And then at night, when it would get dark, they would perhaps go into a cave to keep the sheep there. And they would have these little candles in there. But their candles weren't so much like our modern candles, but they were these little oil lamps, if you will. And it had a little bit of olive oil in it, and it had a wick that stuck out of it. And so if the little reed flute was completely snapped in half, it wouldn't hold wind and make music anymore. And then when the lamp would go out, I'm sure the oil lamp would go out. I'm sure the shepherds would get frustrated because they couldn't see. They can't do just like we do. We just flip a switch and we've got light in the room. So the context and the backstory of our text today is a reed flute and a little candle. So to get you in the mood, I couldn't find any like shepherd flute music on Spotify, but I was able to find some music from one of the greatest movies of all times that we can listen to as we read the text together. So what I'm going to ask you to do is stand together with me for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to go back to the ancient prophet Isaiah and also in the New Testament in Matthew. Isaiah 42, 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Get this, a bruised reed, a little flute, he will not break. And a faintly burning wick, he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth. Now, fast forward to the New Testament in Matthew 12, 19. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick or a smoldering flickering candle he will not quench. 
until he has until he brings justice to victory and in his name the gentiles or the unchurched people will find hope and so here's the simple message i want to bring to you today is that god made you to make beautiful music with your life in candlelight so will you turn to someone next to you before you sit down and tell them you're going to make beautiful music in candlelight and then you can take a seat Someone just got a good idea for a date tonight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God designed you to make beautiful music and candlelight. But if your flute is broken, then you can't make music, can you? It won't hold wind in order to make music. And you may ask, Pastor Doug, how do you know about being a bruised reed flute or a flickering candle? Well, years ago when my life was in shambles, I remember going back to church for the first time in a long time, and I was self-conscious of how people would view me there because I knew that some of my sins were public knowledge to most of the people in that little church at the time. And I remember walking in thinking to myself, if people judge me for my sins and mistakes, my candle might just go out. And I walked in and no one judged me or threw stones, but everyone just loved and hugged and welcomed me. And that is precisely why I know how some of you feel. It took all the courage you could muster up to walk through the doors of a church today to come in here. And I honor you for that. Perhaps you're a bruised reed or what the Bible calls a flickering candle. Now, we've been in the midst of a teaching series called Holistic Church. Because we don't just do one thing at the church. There are a multitude of things. And we've seen that God smiles on our church when we're doing seven things well. We spent some time talking about how God smiles on our church when we serve the under-resourced, right? And we had a great night of karaoke with our street friends uh, and welcomed all of them into an enjoyable feast and karaoke music. And that was a barrel of, I mean, that was a lot of fun uh, to, to have folks in here to do karaoke together. We've also seen that God smiles on our church when we share Christ with our friends and loved ones, and we spent a couple of weeks on that. And today we're going to see how God smiles on our church when we cultivate freedom in the lives of broken, hurting people who are flickering candles about to go out. God shines on us when we help people to make music in candlelight once again. Now, Isaiah uses an interesting choice of words here to talk about a flute because there's a Hebrew word for flute that is ugab. But Isaiah doesn't use ugab when he writes about the flute. He chooses instead to use the Hebrew word gane, which is not just the word for reed, but he's doing a word play here. It's the word for reed and it means to redeem, to purchase in the sense of redemption. See, he was smart in his word choice there because he's saying that, hey, if you feel like you're broken or a bruised reed or a candle about to go out, God has the ability to restore you, renew you, and build you back again. And so that's good news to someone back there, right? Anybody? Now... We're going to see in the scriptures today 
three reasons. There are probably more than three, but we'll have time to cover three reasons why candles go out. And you may be there right now. You may feel like your candle, your spiritual or emotional candle is about to go out. But here's number one. The candle goes out because the wick hasn't been trimmed. The ancient wicks would burn down and there would be that black charred part of the end of the wick and you had to trim it off to keep the candle burning bright else that part of the candle would not burn. And how many of you have some stuff on your wick that needs to be trimmed off today? And that has to do with our past sins and dysfunctional behaviors that we have to trim away. Jesus also calls it pruning. In John, uh, we have to prune off or trim our wicks of those behaviors in our lives that are harming us, destroying us. And it also has to do with some relationships in our lives that drag us down or discourage us or keep us away from Christ. And some of you have to give up or, I guess, trim the wick of your relational world because when we are involved in addictions and struggles and bad things, you have to get rid of your play places and your play pals sometimes in order to experience the peace of God in your life. But it's also a submitting yourself to a process. And in that process of pruning, the reason Jesus used the language of pruning is because, you know, you prune your house plants and they have these great blooms and bear more fruit. And that's God's heart for us today through trimming our wicks. It's not to say, hey, there's the stuff that you got to get rid of because you're judged because of that. But it's more about being more fruitful for him. He wants what's best for your life. And one of the things that's best for our lives is when we're in submission. When you get involved in a process of freedom, you have to submit yourself to other people. We don't often like that, but I can remember a time in my life where I had to completely submit myself to others. And the reason for submission is because of self-deception. The reason I had gotten my life into the place that it was years ago is because I was self-deceived and I didn't know how to get free on my own. And for some of you, I would ask you, man, doing things your way, how's it working for you? You didn't get into that place because you knew what to do. And that is why we have to submit ourselves to other godly people that are trustworthy in a process. And I think for some, the process is to go to a really great Christian therapist. I mean, you know, I, I think therapy's dope myself, and I go to therapy sometimes myself. And others, it means being a part of a freedom ministry or, you know, some type of recovery program here at the church. We offer a class called Cultivate, where we uproot past pain, poor patterns, in order to grow positive patterns that produce peace and hope and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And if you right now are going through Cultivate or if at any time have been through Cultivate, could I just see your hand real quick? You know, a bunch of you around the room. Awesome. Would you guys give it up for these uh, brave folks who have been willing to go through this type of a thing? And, you know, part of the purpose of this service is that we would inject into our environment or the culture of our church that it is a place where we welcome people who feel broken or people who feel like a candle that's about to be snuffed out spiritually or emotionally can safely come and get help, you know? Now, as we were looking at the Old Testament passage, I was thinking about an Old Testament shepherd musician, you know, that can play a flute. And who's the first person that comes to your mind, those of you that are Bible readers, uh, of an Old Testament shepherd musician? Anybody? David, right? And that's who I thought of, is David. 
But when I was doing some of my study on this, what I found was interesting that there's rabbinic tradition that Moses was a very accomplished flute player. Now, there's no verse in the Bible that says that Moses was like this epic flute player with a lot of Spotify plays or anything like that. But what we do know about Moses from the scripture is that at one time, Moses was a shepherd, wasn't he? And it was common for the shepherds to play the flute. And so according to rabbinic tradition, years after Moses had died, they found this little common reed flute in the temple, and they knew from the looks of it that it had come from the time of Moses. And what the rabbis believed is that that was the actual flute of Moses. And so it became this very valued relic inside the temple. And so the Jewish king at the time decided to take that flute and pour gold on it, right? He wanted to uh, make it a special relic there. So it was covered in gold leaf. But what they didn't understand is that after it was covered in gold leaf, they tried to play it and the sound wasn't sweet anymore. It affected the acoustics of the little flute. And the rabbis would say that the lesson for us is that when we fill ourselves with pride and make too much of ourselves, then the sound of our music is no longer sweet, is it? And that's why in the same passage where Isaiah is talking about the flickering candle and the bruised reed, look at what he says on behalf of God, Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord. That is my name, he says. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. And look, in his kingdom, we don't make a name for ourselves like we said earlier. We, we make his name a big deal. And sometimes if you're going to trim your wick, it means trimming back those ways that we try and puff ourselves up and make much of ourselves and try and draw unnecessary attention to ourselves. See? So here's the second reason that candles go out. They go out because, you know, number one, the, the wick needs to be trimmed. But number two, the, the candle goes out when it's suffocated by religion. Now, if you go back and look at these texts, in Matthew's text, he talks about the flickering candle on Brewer's Reed in the context of what's called yolks. Now, if you're like me, when I hear the word yolk, I'm thinking of eggs and stuff, right? Like, Omelette, yummy, you know? But this is not what, uh, Matthew's not talking about omelets or eggs or anything like that. He's talking about the wooden yoke that would go on oxen when, for oxen to carry a burden. And so to make a long story short, the ancients would take on what's called a yoke, and that meant they were going to follow the religious system of a particular rabbi or religious leader. And the hard part about it and the thing that made it exhausting was that the religious systems were very complex and there were a lot, a lot of rules that they had. And so the people were burdened with those uh, yokes because they couldn't even remember all the religious rules, let alone fulfill them all. And that's where Jesus comes in, in the same passage where Matthew's talking about the flickering candle. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. These are people that are about to go out because they're frustrated by all the rules. Then Jesus said, come to who? Me. 
all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And look, when Jesus is dealing with a flickering candle, he is very, very gentle in the yoke that he puts on. We simply come to Jesus, and Jesus is not one that yells at the flickering candle. If you feel broken today, Jesus is not yelling at you today. Go back with me to Isaiah 42, and he says, he's not going to cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. In other words, he's not going to talk loud. And Matthew says something very similar in Matthew chapter 12 uh, that we've been looking at. He says, he's not going to quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. And can I ask you, have you ever been around a quarreling religious person? They always wanted to argue about something. They always wanted to debate with you about something. Maybe you've been um, on like a religious YouTube channel or listened to a religious podcast, you know, and some of the people on those channels are so like convincing, you know, and they say, you should divide from other Christians and you should make a big deal about this issue or that issue. And all of them are so convincing that it's really hard to know who to trust or who to believe, right? And um, if you're like me, I've been in quarreling religious environments before where I would go to church and the guy from, you know, the stage or, what, you know, whatever you call it, he would like yell at everyone. And people didn't feel like they'd worshipped unless the guy yelled louder and made them feel guilty about something. And that's not worship. That's dysfunction, isn't it? That's craziness, isn't it? Because it says here, he's not going to quarrel or cry aloud at you, see? Um, so I've, I've met other religious people that they're like, you know, I like to call it like it is. And we got to take a stand, Right? And no doubt there are times to take a stand. But when Jesus is dealing with the flickering candle, he doesn't say, just take a stand. He says, I want to gently speak to you and take your hand and lift you up. And let's take a walk instead of taking a stand. Let's walk together and I'll gently care for the flickering candle. And look, um, just because Jesus is so gentle, it doesn't mean that he's not truthful. He's very truthful, isn't he? He speaks the truth. And that's why in Matthew 12, 21, in this passage we're studying, he says he brings justice to victory. And you can't really bring justice unless there's truth about what's right and wrong. And here's how this played out in Jesus' ministry is perhaps some of you have heard that story where the woman who was caught in adultery was thrown down in front of Jesus and she was a flickering candle about to be snuffed out by the religious leaders of the day where we were going to execute this woman. And how does Jesus speak to this woman who's a flickering candle? Gently. And he created a scenario where all the smothering religious people had to leave and he was left there alone with her. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But look at these words. In a gentle, loving way, only Jesus could do. He said, go and, what's that next word? Say it. Sin. No more. He didn't throw stones, but he gently and lovingly mentioned sin. And for most of us who have been flickering candles and bruised reeds, we already know the consequences of our sins. We already know what hadn't worked. We already know what's brought, con you know, like depression and hurt and shame. 
on our lives. And oftentimes it's our own behaviors here. And look, he called sin, sin. And that's why I have to talk about what some people call the, the victim mentality. Or I've heard others in a spiritual context called a religious spirit, or a, a victim spirit. That's what people call it. Now, if you've been the victim of abuse of some sort, I want you to know I'm not really talking to you right now. This isn't applying to you. But there are some people that always position themselves as a victim. Have you ever met that person? It's like you may disagree with that person. And when you disagree with them and you're not really trying to push your views on them, you're just telling them what you believe in a very respectful manner. And they say, you're oppressing me. You're like, no, whoa, 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 hold the phone, man. I'm just trying to tell you truthfully how I believe lovingly. I'm not trying to force anything on you. And this plays out for me in my life because I believe what the scriptures teach that uh, God designed us to only have sex within a biblical marriage. And that when you're married, you stay faithful to your spouse. And when I say something like that, there are people around who will say, you're a religious oppressor and you're trying to beat me down because I want to have sex with whoever I want to have sex with. No, I'm not trying to beat you down. I love you and I care about you and I want you to experience God's best for your life. Look at this next proverb, chapter 27, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And what I want you to understand is that you don't need to worry about the person who gently and lovingly speaks truth into your life. Who you need to worry about are the people that always tell you what you want to hear. Isn't that the truth from Scripture? And so, people who have the victim spirit are oftentimes people that have like spiritually wet their pants. They wet their pants and everybody else can smell it, but only they can feel the warmth. You know what I'm saying? But look, if you'll let him, God will gently clean up your messed up pants and get you on the road again to walk with him. So... We don't want to fall for the smothering of unnecessary religious yokes. But the third thing is that the candle goes out because it's low on oil. The ancients, when they were out of oil, they just refill the oil in their little lamps and their little candles, and it would light up again. And I wonder, um, you know, how many of us need to get refilled, get refilled? You know, we live in this world of planned obsolescence where, um, you know, we buy stuff and then we just throw it away when it's over, right? And the ancients with those ancient little candles, that when it ran out of oil, oftentimes they just throw the wick away and, and put a new wick in and then they would refill it with oil and reuse it. And I know our economy works in such a way where we buy stuff that's planned to be obsolete and that we just throw it away and buy new ones so people can make more money. And that can seep into your consciousness if you, if you let it. But I think what the scriptures are telling us today is that God doesn't make throwaway people. People can be redeemed. People who feel broken and used up and empty can be restored and can be helped. And Isaiah and Matthew are telling us that people are repairable by God. Now, in these little lamps, they were fueled by oil. What's the oil for us? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. 
And we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never believed in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You can even get fillings of the Holy Spirit, and then you can get refillings of the Holy Spirit. And if I had like a spiritual dipstick, like for your engine, and stuck it down in your soul right now, would you be a quart low? Anybody? And that's why it's so important for us to come together and worship. You know, if I'm just worshiping by myself, I'm just a little candle, you know, glowing in the presence of God. And it's amazing and it's awesome and I love it. But, you know, when we come together, it's like all of these candles together, giving glory to God, making much of him. It lights up the whole room, doesn't it? And that's why our worship is so important, because even though we trim the wick, we submit ourselves in processes and all of that, a process doesn't do anything without the power. The power is the Holy Spirit. That's why worship and prayer in our environment, in our church, is so significant. It's why we have noonday prayer during the week where you can come and you can log on on Tuesday over the lunch hour and pray because there's power that comes through prayer and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I believe that for many of us today, your candle's about to go out and it's a day for refilling. But worship isn't always natural for us and we don't always feel like doing it. That's why I like how Louis Giglio says worship is warfare. Because there are a lot of days I come to church and I've got a bunch of stuff on my mind, you know, just like you. You've had a lot of stuff going on Monday through Saturday. And then you come in, and sometimes it's warfare to worship. You have to make yourself sing, you know, even if you don't have a lot of feelings about it. I really wish that worship was as simple as like Sunday mornings, an angel comes to my bedside and beckons me. Come, Doug, because you're going to enter into the euphoria of a spiritual experience, and you're going to see angels, and gold dust is going to fall from the sky, or, you know, all these kind of things. But sometimes I have to worship my way into the awareness of his presence. You follow me? And when we worship, the Holy Spirit there is there and can fill people up who feel burned out. This is why Isaiah, when he's talking about the flickering candle in chapter 42, verse 10, he says, I want you to sing a new song. Sing a new song, sing his praises from the ends of the earth. We have to discipline ourselves to sing into the breakthrough. And you know why all this is so important? That we have the power of the Holy Spirit to see bruised reeds and flickering candles helped? is because people's lives are literally at stake. And there's a guy that came to us some years ago. And his name is Gilbert. We brought a picture of Gilbert today with his little girl. And years ago, when, he, when Gilbert came to us, he was trying to get free from heroin. And this last week, Gilbert posted on his social media that he's now nine years free from heroin. Right on? Is that something to thank the Lord for? Now, Gilbert is one of those guys, I kind of like him because He's a little rough around the edges, and I kind of like that. And on his posts, he used some pretty spicy language that I wish I could use in church, but I can't because I get in trouble from my wife. She's a better Christian than I am. And so I'll just kind of edit the post a little bit to give you the gist of it. But here's what Gilbert said on his social. He said, when I found y'all, I was two months out of brain surgery, literally blind, alone, scared, angry, hurt, bitter, and ashamed. 
I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I've never been, nor will I start being ashamed of the stuff that I've overcome. I'm a fearless warrior. I'm a walking, talking, living, breathing example that just because you came from somewhere doesn't mean you got to stay there. And look at this last sentence. That no matter how far down the hole you think you are, grace can still reach that far. And what you got to know today is that no matter how far down the hole you think you are right now, there is a loving Jesus that can reach no matter how far down the hole you've got. He can pull you up and lift you out. And if you would choose to, he'll fill you today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of music and musicians are going to make their way up here. And I want to ask you guys, if you would, to stand with me. And as you stand, I'm standing. That means like you move your legs where they're straight and you you get up. But what what I'm going to invite you to do, if you're comfortable to do so, is that we've got candle stations on either side of the stage up here and back there behind the sound table. So those of you underneath the balcony and in the balcony, you'll you'll take a little more faith for you guys up there. I see you up there, balcony, and I love you guys. Uh, You'll have to walk down to the little table behind the, the sound booth, and those of you down here can walk to either one of these stations here. And by walking down to get a candle and allowing them to light it, that's also giving permission for one of our prayer leaders to gently place a hand on your shoulder and pray for you that you would receive today a fresh filling, maybe the first filling of the Holy Spirit, maybe a fresh refilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, So you step out now as we sing in an environment of power and worship. And I want to encourage you to engage in the song and singing. Because remember, we said that worship is not like a sit and watch kind of thing. But you have to get on the field and sing. So let's sing. It's like our hearts are kind of like these wicks. And he is like the flame. So come now to receive those fresh fillings from the Holy Spirit in your life.
again. Our prayers and our worship is like a beautiful aroma. Sing it out. sense that there's someone in here that used to be in the ministry in some capacity and I believe I'm just going to put this out here to you that you used to be and you feel like your light's gone out but he's telling you no I'm going to restore you son daughter that you will again burn brightly for my kingdom's sake and you will serve and minister again And while we're at it, I I sense that some have been afraid to love again because of a bad relationship in the past. And he's saying, you're going to be able to love again. You're going to be able to date again and maybe even marry again because I'm going to repair, restore And one of the most significant works that he's doing today 
is that there's someone here who's never had your candle lit at all. You've never had a love relationship with God. He doesn't dwell in you. But he wants to, and you'd always thought that he was up there just ready to hit you with a hammer or something, you know, but you didn't know that he was gentle like this, like the Bible teaches, and that he loves you and cares about you. And he's gently drawing you to himself right now. And while you have the opportunity, here's my suggestion is that you receive love relationship with him. You want that now, I know. So just talk to him in your own heart. I don't want to embarrass you or point you out in any way, but just talk to God in prayer and your heart's really more important than the actual words you use, but maybe you just use some words that I can suggest and say something in your own heart like this. God, look, I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross and he died there to take my punishment, the punishment I deserved. And then Jesus rose again from the dead. I believe that. Welcome into my life, God. And I submit my life to you. Welcome in. Others of us in his presence, the light has been shining on a sin area, dark place in our hearts. And know that he's not shining the light like, aha, gotcha. That's not his heart. His heart is, hey, let's go ahead and Let's go ahead and trim this part of the wick because it's not helping you and you already know that. So just confess it to him in your own heart. Again, I don't want to like, he's not here to embarrass anyone. He's here to help. And so just in your own heart, just say, God, I confess my sin of, maybe it's something you did this weekend and you're just ashamed of it. You wish you wouldn't have done it. And God, I ask for your forgiveness. This part is not for everyone, but I have the sense that some of you did something that you're ashamed of and you're supposed to look up at me real quick because I, I have a word for you. You just confess to sin, ask for forgiveness, look up at me, even in the balcony if you're in. And here's what he says to you. Since you confess your sin, daughter, son, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It, it, this is not just me, it's in the Bible. You confess your sin. He is faithful and just will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are right now, because of him, forgiven. And could you in your own heart say this? I choose to forgive myself. That's going to be a breakthrough for someone because look, you're the one that's been beating yourself down. And God's not doing that. He's lifting you up. Anybody receive that today? Amen, good. So God, we thank you for the good that you're doing all around us, like you're lighting up our souls and we can't thank you enough. We don't even have vocabularies for your greatness, your grandeur, your love, your glory. We don't understand it. We don't understand why you would like gently pour it out on just people such as us because we don't really think that we're like all that. But we'll take it. <laughs> we receive 
all the glory and love and goodness and freedom and redemption that you want to pour out on us today. We thank you for it. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, you can remain standing for a minute because we're about to formally dismiss, but as always, or uh, over the past few weeks, we've been creating space where if you want to stay just for a bit and just sit and soak in the presence of God or talk to him or pray, just stay here in prayer, you're welcomed to do that. Now, before you leave, when you leave, make sure and go back to the tables where you got your candles and blow them out and put them in the receptacles they have there because you guys know how cheap I am. We're going to reuse these candles, you know, for the next service and stuff like that. (laughs) But whether you go now or hang around for a bit and pray up front or pray in your seat, when you leave here, I want you to leave here knowing that you are made to make beautiful music in candlelight. And you guys have an amazing rest of your weekend. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.